Welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast. A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture. Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question... Does this hold up or did I just ruin my childhood? My name is Megan. And I'm Steve. And I legitimately, as soon as I pressed record, I could not remember how we started this show. It took you a second. I saw that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm super excited today because this is our first official fan poll week. Yeah, yeah. And um, we, so as we said, we do a cartoon and then a live action TV and then a movie. But this season, we're switching it up. And at the beginning of every month... We're going to have, or the end, depending on how many weeks there are, we're going to have a, a poll on Patreon and for the first couple months on our other social media as well. And this one was superhero TV shows of the 70s and 80s. That's true. We just said, let's, we said, you know what? Let's switch it up for season two. Yeah. And that's what we call supreme confidence. Okay. We're like, second season, time to switch the game. Yeah. Who knows what'll come season three? We don't even know. That's right. And what we and uh, we want to thank you first off to everyone who did respond. A number of you responded through Instagram or Facebook. Yeah, um, DMs. We got some. We got direct a few DMs. Messages. Yeah. Um, with options or with you know who which one of your favorites we had listed we should review. And what we came up with was the winner was the, the Incredible, Incredible Hulk. Hulk. I'm really disappointed because I really wanted Lois and Clark. It was in there for a little bit, but I Incredible know. Hulk won out in the yeah, end. Yeah, it was. Uh, so it was up between My Secret Identity, Wonder Woman, The Incredible Hulk, Lois and Clark. I think those were the four. Those and then were the people four. could also some people too put in their own um, suggestions That's as well. True. A couple of people voted for some animated ones, but we really wanted the live action. Yeah. So Incredible Hulk won. By a very slim margin, a couple people put it as their second choice, and it was sort of tied with something else, and so that's what we ended up it with. It was the winner. And uh, yeah, for season two, we really just wanted to be more interactive, and we we didn't expect with season one to get as many followers and likes and subscribers as we got. So we were really excited to be more interactive with you guys and kind of reach out there and get to know you better, see what you like. Yeah. So... Before we get to that, though, yes, it's our my favorite segment, the non-sponsored snack review. Now, to be fair, to be fair, <laughs> this was supposed to be our snack for Clue because it's a it's Airheads mystery flavor. It is. So we were going to do it kind of with Clue, but then we recorded Clue out of town and we left the snack at home. That's true. Yeah. So. Uh, so we're we're following up on the promise to to do a snack where we have to guess the flavor. And I've never had this before. I have had Airheads before, like for Halloween. But this is like one of your go-to candies, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. I like Airheads a lot. Um, I don't know why. I just do. Well, you like taffy. I do, and this is like better taffy because it's it's taffy, but it's taffy that doesn't stick too much to your teeth. I well, guess. that part's true. What's interesting to me is that I don't like it as much as taffy because I'm not a big fan of sour. Airheads to me is like taffy and fruit roll-ups got together in a seedy hotel. 
and had a dark, unknown love child. That is pretty close to what it tastes like. That's a good description. Yeah, thanks. If you've never had Hair Hats, uh, mix taffy with a fruit roll-up, and that's about what you get. Yeah, so uh, whoever makes Hair Heads, if you want me as a spokesperson, I am available. All right, so Steve, let me ask you this. We're going to play a little game here. So you love airheads. Let's see how much you know about them. Okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. What? There are two countries that formed a candy company together. One mm-hmm. can't. One company from one country, one company from another company. Okay. They merged. They formed a candy company. I would like you to guess. Don't look at the back to try. You can't do cheating and look at the back. Okay. That's not fair. I'll tell you the name of the company and then you tell me what countries you think it is. Okay. So it is the Perfetti Van Mel Company. Okay. So what two countries do you think might be? Is it France and Italy? Italy is one of them. Okay. Van Mel. Germany? Dutch. Dutch. The Dutch. The Dutch. Dutch. <laughs> Once again, it was the Dutch. The Dutch. <laughs> anyway. There's only two kinds of people I can't stand in this world. <laughs> people who hate other people because of their origins and the Dutch. That's what it is. Is that from the other guys? It's from Austin Powers. All from Austin Powers. So it's an Italian Dutch company, Perfetti Van Mel. And they are known for a few other candies that you might have heard of. You know, they're the sixth biggest candy company in the world. Really? I've never heard of them. But they, because they make... Airheads. Airheads, but and also Mentos. Oh, the interesting. Fresh maker. Um, they also make Smint, Frutella, Frisk, Chupa Chups, Chloramint. And so a lot of these are center fresh. You can tell a lot of these are mint. Yeah. So that must be kind of what they specialize in. Happy Dent, again, you can probably a mint candy, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. the Happy Dent candy. Um Vigorsol and Vivident. So, um, interesting that they do that. Airheads. Now, what year do you think Airheads came out? Oh, boy. I'm going to say, I mean, I don't remember seeing them. It's during your lifetime. Yeah, I I don't remember seeing them much in my childhood until I was probably like an adolescent. Mm. But I'm going to go ahead and guess 91. 85. Okay, I wasn't too but, far so off So they then. probably became more popular popularized, I think, yeah. in the 90s. And the reason for that is because now they have 16 different flavors. Wow. Um, cherry, blue raspberry, watermelon, green apple, um, and white mystery, which is the one we have today. Right. So they also have had a lot of um, special edition ones with superheroes. So it kind of ties in to what we're doing today. Awesome. Superman, Spider-Man, um, promotional type of things. Um, and a flavor in 2007 called Berry Hot, which claimed to heat up your mouth. Oh, I don't care, I don't for, care that. for that. And then 2008, they went the opposite way and they did chillin' flavors, which were like blue mystery blast bars. And then they also had little bites. Bite-sized ones, which is what I think I remember from Halloween. Um, well, they also have Airheads Bites, which have like a candy coating, almost like an M&M. Yeah. Fruit, or like a Skittle, probably better. Mm-hmm. But then the Airhead material in the center. Yeah, and yeah, that's true. And also, my here's my favorite fun fact about Airheads. They are made in long strips, like you said, kind of looks like a fruit roll-up. But 
taffy they want it to be more malleable and like you said less like sticky mm-hmm. they put it through the same manufacturing processes as play-doh oh interesting I mean, food food production yeah. but the but the way that it, it the air gets into it the thinning and the forming and par- and even to a certain extent i guess the packaging um yeah it's created in big, long strips, very similar to how Play-Doh is created. That's interesting because Play-Doh then they roll up. Subconsciously, I've had to fight myself off from eating Play-Doh. Yeah. And so this allows me to kind of. Yeah, a little bit. I so. mean, it's it's not quite the same consistency, but I think it's interesting that the manufacturing process is very similar to getting air into it and that kind of thing. So yeah, it's um sold across Canada and the U.S. and then expanded into the U.K. in 2015. And um, also sold in Mexico and Spain. All right. So I'm going to drop a little knowledge on you because it's something I that I happen to know. We're doing the mystery flavor today. Mm-hmm. And if you try to figure out what the distinct mystery flavor is, you will fail. Hmm. Because it's never the same f- flavor. There's not one flavor that they use for mystery. What they do is when they have at the end of a run, mm-hmm. if they have extra of one flavor... Oh, okay. They pull that aside, but it's maybe not enough for an entire batch. They pull it aside. They don't add coloring to it. And then they just make that mystery. So each package's mystery flavor might be an actual different flavor. Now, what flavor do you think the white was? This is 100% blue raspberry. Oh, I thought it was green apple. It is not. No, it's blue raspberry. Yeah, I couldn't. I wasn't sure. I was kind of in between. I don't eat fruit candy a lot. So I... And I really would rather have a regular raspberry. I'm going to present to you something new. Okay. I created it myself just now. No, I don't don't like it. This is the Airhead Cube. Yeah, that you formed in your hand and you want me to now eat it? Well, I'll eat it if you're not going to. Well, you can eat it because you can... But it's like a dice. It's the size of a dice for everyone that can't see, (laughs) which is all of you. And I formed it into a perfect cube as we've had this conversation. And it's quite delightful. It looks, because it's white, because it's a mystery, it actually looks like a sugar cube. Yeah, except that it's been in your, we've been recording for 10 minutes and 17 seconds. Yeah. So you're like, hey, Megan, this thing I've been playing with my hands for 10 minutes, go ahead and bite into it. No thanks. Megan, if you knew the amount of your food that I play with for 10 minutes, it would shock you. Shocked me. I don't like that one bit. So, um, I know this is a go-to candy for you. What are we rating out of? Because last time we rated Clue out of Clues because we didn't talk about it ahead of time. And now you're chewing. I am. Um, we're going to rate. We're going to rate out of Hulk Fists. Okay. All right. So, out of Hulk Fists. I am going to give this five out of five Hulk Fists. Okay. This is a three for me. I like regular oh. taffy better. I don't like the sour. I don't like the sour. And then it has like a grainy texture. Like it, it, which is, again, I wonder if it's because the Play-Doh thing, because Play-Doh gets a little grainy too. It's very like, it looks smooth and then you eat it and as you're eating it, it's grainy. It's not like good taffy. I like taffy, but next to Airheads, regular taffy is just the taste of disappointment. Listen, I'm just an old fashioned girl. I just like taffy and... Maple sugar candies and chocolates. Okay. So. And I like Skittles and Airheads, apparently. Yeah, I don't like fruit-flavored candy. I'd rather eat a piece of fruit. So. Yeah. Four Hulk Hulk fists out out of five. five.
We kind of got that one. I forgot whether we were doing Hulk hands or Hulk fists, <laughs> but we right. did it. So Hulk- four out of five Hulk fists. Yes. That's, that's not too that's bad. That's pretty good. Not as high as I'd like it, but that's I'm all right. to... One out of uh, five for the candy, and later on we'll rate the show one out of ten. Before we get into our full review and recap, let's talk a little bit about the Hulk. A little bit of lore, a little bit of the TV show, some fun facts. Yeah. So I'll give you the quick summary of the TV show. Awesome. Uh, Dr. David Banner mm-hmm. um, was trying to figure out a way he was a widow doctor and he was trying to figure out a way to make the human body stronger and better and so by doing that he he started exploring gamma radiation and one of his experiments went wrong and turned him into the hulk so now whenever he gets angry or hurt he turns into this seven foot 330 pound green behemoth that can break through walls. He's super strong. He never talks. He just grunts and growls a lot. Um, but he's basically this super-powered Hulk. And similar to what people might have seen in the comic books. And so the show is him basically on the run. Everyone thinks that David Banner died. Mm-hmm. And so he's on the run from an investigative journalist, Jack McGee, um, who's trying to find the real story behind the Hulk. And he just keeps going around um, working little jobs. And every town he kind of runs into, he ends up trying to help people in a way he can. um, Until he turns into the Hulk and then he has to go to another town again so people don't find out who he is. Um, So it's kind of like when we did The Pretender. Yeah, It had that feel to it. Um, Or the show we've been watching recently, Poker Face. Where the person's moving from town to town to town and helping people along the way. Yeah. And also, I don't want to get into it too much because I want to save it for a review, but we did review Manimal, and it reminded me a lot of Manimal. Okay. A lot. So, thank you for the overview of the show. Um, I'm going to give some fun facts about the original Hulk the origin story yeah and then you're gonna do some fun facts about the show yeah and i think that's important because there's there's differences yeah and it's gonna be interesting talking about those so the hulk originally um was created by stan lee and jack kirby was the artist and it appeared in the debut issue the incredible hulk in 1962 originally I did not know this, Steve, until I did research for this for today. Did you know that he was supposed to be gray? Yeah, but it didn't. It was didn't. It didn't actually show up well in the comic book ink, right? Yeah, and also that it came out kind of greenish. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, though, that Stanley was like when he transforms, he didn't want him to be a particular race. Got it. When he transformed, and I think that's interesting that in 1962 they kind of had that. In their mind, Mm -hmm. right? So, Dr. Robert Bruce Banner um, is the human side of Hulk. And the, I guess the original story was that he was accidentally exposed to gamma rays while he was saving the life of someone. There was an experimental bomb and he, um, he put himself in harm's way. Which is also different from the movie lore... And I think also the TV show lore, like they change it, right? That's one of the changes we'll get into in a minute. So 
he transforms into the Hulk when he's emotionally distressed or subjected to some kind of stress against his will. Um, I think that it's interesting too that they, do you, when you read the comics, did you read it as being kind of like a metaphor for the Cold War? I mean, maybe not as a real little kid, but like later? I didn't really, only because, you know, I saw it more of, and it's been expressed this way as well, really the Hulk is supposed to be, it's a representative of the id, right? It's his, it's Bruce Banner, who's this mild-mannered, really kind of skinny, small scientist guy. Right. And very intelligent, basically releasing all of the anger and, like, you know, brute force and monstrosity that's pent up inside him kind of yeah that's i think that's a good way of putting it so what's interesting is that initially it was supposed to be kind of like the alter like you're saying kind of an alter ego that that had to do with like destructive forces so you have like the rational side of man and then like the war like, like emotional side, but there were supposed to be kind of some, um, like it's like transforming from like a mindless destructive force, like war into like a brilliant warrior or a self-hating protector, like that kind of thing. Right. But later on, and I think that this, I wonder if this had to do with Sybil Mm -hmm. because we had like the three faces of Eve in the in the fifties, but Sybil came out. The book came out in the late sixties, early seventies, and then they made a TV movie of it, mm-hmm. which we should watch for this with um, Sally Field. Okay, um, it's a little bit dark for us to review now that I'm thinking about it on this show. It really is complete lies and garbage. I mean, really. Yeah. Um, and even the, the, the poor real woman in real life admitted basically her psychiatrist manipulated her and, and kind of whatever. Anyway, but Sybil has to do with like multiple personality disorder, what now we would call DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder. And there's some debate, is that real, is that not? But basically the lore of this changes so much, but one of the, um, one of the background pieces is that he was abused by his father as a child and that the this alter ego kind of manifested during his childhood and that it fully was embodied because of the gamma rays. Gotcha. But I guess they didn't have that until like around like the 200th or so comic yeah. where they actually kind of explain that. Um and then we have, of course, like other characters that came into being later that we we've seen recent productions of, like She Hulk and mm-hmm. his wife is Betty Ross, which I find funny. Yeah, um, and that so. was very important, and and it was actually one of the things that they eliminated from the, the, show. the show. Yeah, so it was basically kind of inspired a little bit by like Frankenstein or Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, like those kind of gothic traditions those really cool early sci-fi stories my last thing and then i'll throw it to you for some stuff about the show is that the name changed from bruce to david yes and there are a couple of things that were floated around that people said like oh 
Well, he has a bunch of aliases, like David Bixby, Bob Danner, Bruce Jones, Bruce Roberts, Dave, David Blake, like all of these different aliases. Yes. But the real reason they changed it for the show was that the showrunner felt like in the Marvel Universe, you have a bunch of alliterative names. Yes. Like... Bruce Banner, Peter Parker, yep, right, Stephen like Strange. That. Yeah, and that and that they don't sound as realistic. So he thought if we change it to David, it'll not be alliterative and it'll sound more like a real person. Right. That's basically it. <laughs> I did say that was the last one, but before you hop in too, Steve, um, the, a lot of people say that this was the first portrayal of the Hulk. It was by a person, but actually there was a Marvel animated like special. Okay. With eight minute shorts of all different characters. Okay. And that was the first televised version of the Hulk. Gotcha. And okay. then this was the first live action. Okay. So. So this all started back in 1977. A very good year. It's the year I was born and mm. brought into the world. Well, it's and debatable. It's, it's an amazing year. <laughs> um, and also the year that... that Frank Price, the head of Universal Television, offered um, Kenneth Johnson, who was a producer and a writer, the deal to develop a television show based off the Hulk comics. Mm-hmm. Um, they had licensed some characters from Marvel Comics, and they wanted to to make good on that. Um, so originally, Kenneth Johnson turned it down. Hmm. Um, he wasn't really into it. He wasn't a big fan of comics. But then after reading the Victor Hugo novel, Les, Mis- Les, Miserables, Les, Mer- Les Miserables, yeah, he changed his mind. He got inspired and decided to work on this pro- this project. He made a few changes, as we mentioned Wait, already. it wasn't The Hunchback of Notre Dame. No, it was, it was Les not. Mis? It was Les Mis. So, That's weird. So he jumped in the project, but like I mentioned before, he did not like comic books. So he started changing things to make it less and less like its, you know, origin story, mm-hmm. and and a, less and less about the comic source material. Um, as we said before, as you th- kind of threw in at the end, he changed the name Bruce to David. Yeah. So that it was different from Bruce Banner and didn't have the alliteration. Yeah. Also, an executive at CBS said that Bruce was too gayish. And that's a quote. Yeah, I didn't think that that <laughs> which I was don't real, get. but that actually came out. Yeah, CBS? which I don't get. Um, they didn't say who, but some they said there's some probably that that somebody was the named thought Bruce. Of, you know, it was the seventies. It was a little different, and so they wanted it to be a little bit more. I guess they thought David was a little bit more like Masculine? macho, maybe. I don't know. That's weird. Um, but they also changed, as we mentioned before, you know, in the comics, his origin is that he's doing atomic testing for the government, right? And he's a physicist. Here they change it to him being a medical researcher. Yeah. And it's and it's a much much more low-key experiment. Yeah, and what is hilarious, too, is that in my research it came up that he's supposed to be the fourth smartest man in the world. Yeah. But I don't... It never says who the other three are. Reed Richards is I, one of them. Mr. Fantastic. Oh, okay. Tony Stark. Well, I assume Tony Stark. Yeah, Tony Stark, Reed Richards, and probably Hank Stephen Pym. Stephen Hawking? No, Hank Pym. <laughs> this is comic book world. I know. Yeah. But, why is, but what's hilarious is that they're like, he's the fourth smartest man in the world. He's the fourth yeah. smartest person. He's not the smartest. We're not going to put him way up, well, way you know. up at the top. It's just uh, funny to me. So they also decided to... 
Um, Kenneth Kenneth Johnson was talking to Stan Lee, who created you know was one of the creators of the characters and ran Marvel's Marvel Comics. And in the in the comic books, the Hulk does talk, but it's mm-hmm. very monosyllabic, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so he's more like Hulk crash, crush, Hulk smash, right? That's um, what that's what my notes look like for this episode. By yeah, the way. right. So that's how he talks. Yeah. And, and the producer for the show says, you know, for television, I don't think that'll translate as well. Mm-hmm. And it would be better and more mysterious if he just doesn't talk at all. And so Stan Lee actually agreed with that. He's like, yeah, you're probably right for like a television medium that would right. work better. Well, because you don't need like it doesn't need to be like the original Batman show where they put in like bang, poom, yes. pow, right? I mean, yeah. that was like kind of a jokey way of doing it, like a camp fun way. So that makes right. sense. And so that was really it actually did make a lot of sense and I thought it was interesting too because I thought originally in my head, and this is just something I kind of th- just, I guess, assumed, mm-hmm. was that part of it was because Lou Ferrigno played the Hulk and he's deaf. Yeah, I thought so. And too, so but... his voice has has a definite has a definite sub um it has a definite like tone it's to it. It's a little it, accent, and it's yeah, got an it's accent a, to yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought that was it, but it's not because actually the pilot Lou Ferrigno didn't play the Hulk. Mm. He in the first very pilot episode, he didn't play the Hulk. They made that change Which afterwards. Maybe why we couldn't buy that episode because we tried to watch the pilot different. and we couldn't. Um. So yeah. So basically, you know, it was one of those things where they wanted the only science fiction element in the whole show to be the Hulk himself. Okay. Right. And so that was kind of um, a big push of this. Like I said, he wanted this to not really be a comic show. Um. In in. You know, also, they omitted the comic book supporting characters, which are Betsy Ross, as you mentioned before, which is his wife, but also, like, a co-physicist. Yeah, I just think that's funny. Right? Well, also, because her dad is Thunderbolt Ross, who's a general for the army, and in the comic books, chases the Hulk. The military tries to get their hands on the Hulk to use him as a weapon. Okay. Right? And that is a big... That's a huge storyline that's been running for many, 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 many years. Oh, interesting. Um, You know, he was played by William Hurt in the MCU. Thunderbolt Ross. Um, And then he's passed away now. So those are the movies where... <laughs> he played Thunderbolt Ross in the Hulk movie with Edward Norton. Oh, okay. And then he played Thunderbolt Ross also in the Avengers movies. All right. Um, okay. That's what I was wondering. And he's passed away, and now apparently he's he's being replaced by Harrison Ford, who's going to play the character now. Oh, interesting. Um, And so, you know, but again, those are major characters in the comic that were completely omitted and replaced just with Jack McGee, who's who's a reporter who's trying to follow the story. Yeah, and I I don't want to preview too much, but I, I I was expecting this to be much more comic book superhero than it was i mean it is like you said you know he is like you said with like poker face or i guess not so much colombo that we watched but he's going around helping people right like um the fugitive it's a fugitive setup it is yes but um yeah i expected there to be a little more sci-fi than there was. So that's that's kind of interesting. So as I mentioned before, you know, there was that change, obviously, where they dropped Bruce and made it David Banner. They did keep Bruce as his middle name. That's so it's David Bruce Banner. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing with David was that 
Uh, Kenneth Johnson's son was named David, so he said he used that name as, like, uh, uh, Tonner's kid. Mm. Um, which was interesting. Uh, as I mentioned before, too, Lou Frigno wasn't originally the Hulk. It was an actor named Richard Keel. Did, who, why did he get kicked out? Richard. Well, what they noticed was that Richard Keel, and in, in this actually, the story goes that Johnson's son actually pointed this out. Mm. Keel was tall, but not very bulky physically wise. Oh, okay. He wasn't muscular. He was just kind of oh, tall. Oh, okay. And so he kind of pointed that out, and everybody was like, that's true. So they went and found Lou Ferrigno, who's a bodybuilder. Yeah. And so they actually reshot some of the pilot. Oh, all right. There's some some of the scenes in the pilot have Ferrigno. Some still have Keel. And I don't I don't know how much I don't know how much Bill Bixby, who plays David Banner, I don't know how much he weighs, but I did find that in the original Incredible Hulk comics, Bruce Banner is supposed to be five nine and hundred and twenty eight pounds. Yeah. Which is like a female supermodel's height and weight. Like, that is very slender yeah. for a guy. Like, very slender. So he really should have pretty much no muscle tone, right? <laughs> you know, the thing is, too, is that it, that it described, if you look up, like, the write-up for the show. Yeah. It describes the Hulk, as I mentioned before, as being seven foot tall, 330 pounds. It's not that big. Yeah, you know, in the, and obviously I know because this was before CGI, you know, yeah. CGI and things like that. They had to kind of go with the biggest guy they could find, and kind of, you know, and I don't know if Ferrigno is even seven feet. I think they're kind of stretching it for that. Um, but three hundred thirty pounds is not that heavy either, especially if you're all muscle. Especially um, if you're seven feet tall. Yeah, in the comics, the Hulk is like nine feet tall. Oh, okay. You know, he's massive. He's, he's Yeah. He, and so it's a little bit different. But again, they, you know, if you look at the MCU now, they make him more that size. Right? They've yeah, that's true. Because they can do it with CGI. Um, yeah, so. And then my favorite version is the Professor Hulk. Professor Hulk's my favorite. You know, yeah, there was a number of different versions in the comic. There was the Brute Hulk, which was the original. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, there was... Uh, there was a gray Hulk mm-hmm. that came a little later on. Is there a red and, one too? And the gray, well, the gray Hulk, Bruce Banner, um, would turn into him at night. Okay. Okay, and he actually was kind of smart, not like not like super intelligent, but he was probably average intelligence and really like kind of sarcastic. Mm-hmm. And he actually was a gangster and was running like a gang in Las Vegas. Mm. And he was like a mobster almost. And he was gray and not quite as big and as strong as the Green Hulk. Interesting. And then as Bruce Banner was trying to continuously experiment on himself to fix the Hulk problem, um, at one point the two personalities were merged so that he had, as you called, Professor Hulk. He had the body of the Hulk, but the brain and personality of Bruce Banner. Yeah, which is which is kind of neat that it's like... They finally kind of merge the way yeah, a healthy person yeah. would. And it be. was interesting because you spent all this these years and years and years watching the Hulk like in ripped jeans or ripped shorts, like flying around as yeah. a savage. And then all of a sudden, Bruce Banner takes control mentally, so he's getting like like special tailors to make clothes that are like nine feet tall. Yeah, <laughs> and he's wearing like like you know a doctor's jacket. 
Well, that's why I kind of liked in She-Hulk where they had a whole thing about her her dress she had to end up wearing like these horrible dresses because she would hulk out and then it would be like way too short or it would yes. rip right yeah. and then so that she goes to like a special like super ta- yeah superhero tailor or whatever yeah. but which was and kind of funny that kind of mentions the spin-off pieces as you said like she hulk is jennifer walters who's his cousin mm-hmm. who was injured in a drive-by shooting in the comics because she was investigating bad guys and mm-hmm. they try to kill her. And he gives her a blood transfusion, which turns her into She-Hulk. And then there's also the Red Hulk, which is Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah. His father-in-law, who tries to, to do the experiment on himself to become a Hulk to, mm. to stop the Hulk. And that explains... And that's Red Hulk. That explains, too, because when, when we were looking into things, I knew that they they thought about making the Hulk red for the TV show because they weren't sure about the green. And I think yeah. also the green is really, at that point, would have been really associated with some Star Trek stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, and and Stanley was like, no, you can't make it red. It, and that makes sense because yeah. if you don't know all the comic book like yeah. versions and stuff. So, all right, awesome. So we are going to take our break here. And when we come back, we'll talk about our memories or like thereof. And then we'll get into our full review and recap. Steve, how much was your coffee this morning? Well, I went to Starbucks, so it was more than I'd like to say. Every day, countless podcasters like us are left alone, without anyone to care for them. We suffer in silence, waiting for someone to come to our rescue. But you can make a difference. You can be our hero. By supporting our podcast on Patreon, you can help us give a voice to the voiceless. You get access to exclusive content like bonus episodes and subscriber polls every month. All this for less than the price of a cup of coffee. Together, we can make a world where every podcaster is loved and cared for. So please, consider supporting our podcast on Patreon today. Just visit patreon.com slash stop ruining my childhood. And thank you for your support. Welcome back, everyone. My name's Megan. And I'm still Steve. And um, I could be wrong, but I think this might be the first episode with our new Patreon ad. It's possibly. It's possible. We'll see what they think. Um, <laughs> we worked real hard on it. <laughs> so um, let's start with you, Megan. Do you have memories of the Incredible Hulk? I mean, not really. What's interesting to me about this is that I really was expecting something totally different. I, it, it was one of these, again, one of these shows that, like, my parents might watch that was, like, on in the background sometimes. Okay. And it was certainly on in reruns, like, a lot of times before whatever I wanted to watch. Now, everybody knows, even way before the movies, I knew, like, the general thing of, like, it's, like, a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, the Hulk smashes stuff. It's a guy who turns into it, right? But, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever actually watched a full episode. So I don't have many, um, no, I don't have many memories of this. Okay. No. I have a lot of memories I do of have this. a super big crush on Mark Ruffalo. Well, yeah, he's the new Hulk. Yeah. So I guess that's all right. And Professor Hulk is chef's kiss. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> We're going to have to unpack that with a therapist at some point. No, that's all um, right. 
I have a lot of of memories of this. It came out in '77, like I said, the year I was born, and it and it went on until um, I believe '82, mm-hmm. '83, the early '80s. Yeah. Um, and so because there was eight, over 80 episodes of this that was done, as well as some TV movies that were done in the 80s. Um, and so I probably saw it on repeat, like on, you know, yeah, on like reruns. reruns yeah. um, but I remember seeing it a lot growing up. And I really, you know, I've always been a superhero fan, and I've always been a comic book fan since I was young. So I really loved this. I watched this. I remember watching Linda Carter's Wonder Woman, um, you know, later on, Lois and Clark, but that was much later. Uh, Christopher Reeve as Superman in the 80s movies. Yeah. You know, I was always a big superhero fan. And The Incredible Hulk, you know, it's funny because we watch it now as adults, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's it's different now when you're looking at it 40 years later right yeah but it at the time it was it was pretty awesome like the the special effects in it at the time were like top notch right and so you see this guy who's turning into this green monster and that was always the best part of the show right yeah. you're like yeah it's great he's helping people whatever like hulk out and like wreck stuff <laughs> um that's what a kid wants to see right Yeah, that's true um but i remember looking at it, and i remember even as a kid though being a little sad by it like, you know, every every episode ends with him, like, hitchhiking to another town, and there's, like, sad music in the background. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's sad. Like, like it's, he he's just, just he a just sad wanderer. A yeah, who he, just wants to be back to himself. He doesn't have a good wife or yeah. family. Yeah. Or friends. Yeah. Yeah. But Betsy Ross was waiting for him. Or Betty Ross. Betty Ross, yep. Um, did you guys play Hulk? I don't. Well, I didn't really play much as a kid, you know. When I, I guess when I'd be a little older, but by that time it was different, right? Because your brothers really wouldn't. I mean, by the time your brothers would have been old enough to watch this, it really wouldn't have been on, right? Yeah. I think, I think if it had been my brother and I might have played, might have played Hulk a bit. Okay. I don't think I think we were both too young, like in terms of when it came out and stuff. And certainly by the time he was older. Like old enough to like something like that, it wouldn't really have been on at all. That's you know? true, yeah. But I think that that's a that's like a you know that's why the Hulk fists came out as a toy, right? Yeah, and that came out like you know more towards the when the when, when the, the Marvel stuff. But out, I'm just yeah. saying like that's the kind of stuff kids like. Yeah, definitely. So that's one of the things that surprised me about this show. So let's get into it because I didn't feel like it really was a kids show. Yeah. So. The 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 first episode that we watched was from season two, and it's an episode called Alice in Disco Land. Yeah, this was my choice, and I regretted it. But <laughs> in some ways, I didn't. So we open up. It's set up exactly like Saturday Night Fever. If you haven't seen that movie, I, I would almost guarantee that they reuse the floor set from that, at least, because it has a very distinct look with, like, white tiles... That white, light up. Where, white square tiles yep. that light up different colors, and it's a disco floor, and there is... Okay, here's the first thing I'm going to say about this show. You know that I have an issue with this. It's like you with slow candy. I don't like slow, long edits. Mm-hmm. And what's fascinating to me, Steve, is that this show came out the same about the same time as Columbo that we did a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Columbo had a few times where it lingered here and there, but it, that show really moved along. I enjoyed it. This had long shots. 
Like, it really could have been a half hour. That was, do you think that was a 70s, elite 70s thing? Yeah, I do think so. Because, and also an early TV thing, um, because they didn't have as many cuts. Like, if you watch a show now, it'll cut to multiple storylines as well. And you just don't have that in the 70s. No, it was following one storyline. Yeah, you really don't have it through the 80s. Um, until you get things like VHS and, and people like really reruns more often where they're showing, you know, on Kate, on basic cable and stuff like that. But, um, (laughs) he, he's like the fourth smartest man in the world and he's bussing tables. Well, yeah, because if you were to if he were to take a job as a doctor, people would know who he was, right? right? But I didn't know the premise of this show, so I just came into it. You didn't know he was supposed to be such a genius. I didn't. No, I knew that he was a genius. I did not know that he was on the lamb. I didn't know that he was. Oh, okay. I didn't know it was town to town to town to town, and so I was like, "Why is he busting cables?" But they really are filming this. Um, like a 1970s acid trip kind of movie. It opens, as you said, on the, with that disco environment, but with a very elaborate disco dance segment. Yes. <laughs> going on as yeah. it opens. A really long one. Yes. Is my point. And they're using like a fisheye camera lens at different points to like make it trippy, yeah. basically. So then they pull out, he's bussing tables, and there's this girl... At a table, and she looks like she's, like, in her early 20s. And she says, and she's like, all right, let's toast to the stupidest tea party I've ever been at. Yeah. And then they have a flashback. With with hazy border. Yeah. It's like that. They have a flashback to him under a tree reading Alice in Wonderland to a little girl. Yeah. Now, at this point... I have to tell you, as somebody who has never seen this show, I was like, does this girl remind him of his daughter? What a weird toast. Why the flashback? Is he having some kind of an acid trip at this point? Like, I was, like, really confused. Yeah, the the flashback continues, though, and so it explains that David recognizes her as his goddaughter. Yes. Who he hasn't seen in many years because he's been thought to be dead. But the th- here's the thing. We find out later... That she's supposed to be 16. Now, in real life, the girl playing her is 20, which is why the confusion. But they do that with teenagers all right. the time, right? But the thing is that she's 16. When he was reading her this book, she was probably nine. Yeah. He does not look any different. No, and she doesn't recognize him at all. And she doesn't recognize or him. Or the fact that he still uses David as his first name. Yeah, he still he just changes David. the last name. Yeah. I, I wrote down David recognizes one of the dancers as his goddaughter, Alice, who now looks sort of like a disco Mary Lou Retton. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, but very much so, like, they had this look at this point in the 70s where, like, the fashionable thing was to have like really like no chest no butt like yeah. really um like a very slim figure and that's kind of what she's got going kind on. of like a gymnast figure almost yeah a little bit which or, is... or an ice skater kind of that's what i was yeah it i think it had a little bit to do also with the like um heroin well I... <laughs> and, and also androgyny because a lot of the men would dress in like jumpsuits as well like yeah. like rocker you know like glam mm-hmm. rock and all that kind of thing so meanwhile um a waitress wants David to hit on her. 
Yeah. And she keeps flirting with him. And she looks like a lot like Bette Midler from, from The Rose when Bette Midler did that movie where she was kind of like Janis yeah, like Joplin. Yeah, really, like a really young Bette Midler. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think she's styled to look like Bette Midler. Okay. Like very specifically. Then we have another flashback and it's stuff about Canada. And he says, Roz, you're running away, which is like this girl's mom. Yeah. That she's just been running from place to place to place. Um, and then more slow shots of dancing. Yes. David, then we have David reaches out to an alcohol program to yeah. try to help Alice, who he thinks is an alcoholic. Yeah, because she's there every night dancing and drinking it up. And drinking a lot. And apparently this place serves minors. And she keeps asking him for shots. Yeah, this place serves serves alcohol basically <laughs> to everyone, no matter what age they are. And we have... This is interesting to me because a lot of times the Marvel stuff now is all about, like, vigilantism. Like, we have to be out. Well, that's what the whole Civil War was about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not the real Civil War. Right. Marvel, Marvel Civil War. Yeah. That do we work within the system or do we work outside the system? Right. So it's interesting that he works within the system to go... And this woman very clearly says, well, you can't force her to get help. And he's like, well, she's a minor. And she's like, yeah, alcoholism is really kind of growing among teenage kids. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to do things. But, you know, unless you have their parent support where you could maybe pay for them to go into a program. It's interesting because AA was founded in the 50s, but really didn't grow until a, a couple about a decade later right? right so now then you have in the 70s the formation of stuff like al-anon al-ateen all of that and you also have around this time too like problem novels <laughs> and we watched after school specials after school specials right? yeah so this felt a little like an after school special because we're learning something about alcoholism um but I also think that it is hilarious that she's supposed to be 16 because up until this point, I had no idea. Yeah, and it's interesting because, like, that lady gives him a little bit of information, but then basically says, well, the only thing you could do is report the bar for serving minors. Right, and that's basically what he does. And then we have a scene without Bill Bixby where we find out behind the scenes that this bar is financially in trouble, and that's why they've been serving yeah. Minors. They owe money. Now they're going to be in trouble with the alcohol board. They're going to have to try to pay that guy off. They're already going broke. And now they're going to lose more money. Right. Right. Then we have Alice fighting with her boyfriend who grabs this other girl, Molly. And Alice is like, he's tall and she's tall and blonde. That's I can't compete with that. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah, and also... You're beautiful, Alice. Stop. (laughs) Well, the issue is that because David reported them, they have to put a pause on serving minors. Yes. So So they won't serve her, and she doesn't feel like dancing because she's not drunk. And she's going through withdrawals. Yeah. Which are really overemphasized. Listen, you guys, she has the DTs, and the way that they film this is so close to, like, an alcoholic version of Reefer Madness... I legitimately was laughing through this entire thing, well, and not in a good way. The DTs are one thing, but she's, like, hallucinating, and yeah. she's sober. Yeah. It really is more like she's been doing acid or PCP. Yeah, she's got deep, 
deep purple bags under her yeah. eyes. She's only had not had a drink in 24 hours. Yeah, it's only been a day. And she's, so she goes, my daddy will know what to do. Well, your daddy's dead. Yeah. So she goes up to this billboard. And here we have the longest scene in the show. This goes on forever. I put forever in my notes with like nine E's. Okay. <laughs> It is forever that because David realizes it. He tries to go up and get her. She's pulled up the safety ladder. He's got to climb the real stairs. He trips and falls. And then he becomes Hulk. Hulk angry. Hulk save girl. Yeah. Hulk smash. Like it's so ridiculous. Yeah. He, he, he turns into the Hulk and he saves her from the billboard. Um, but the journalist <sighs> finds out. The journalist finds out. So this is where, this is the part of the episode, like every episode, where Jack McGee starts showing up in town and sniffing around. I don't like that. Um, But it also is a harrowing enough experience for Alice that she lets David bring her to an AA meeting the next day. Yeah. Which is kind of, again, where we have almost like an educational part of the show. Yeah, and we also, before that, so there's this thing where her Boyfriend doesn't understand why she's acting like this, right? And he brings her the reporter. And the reporter says he there's they, their paper would give $10,000 if it leads to, like, basically the capture of this Hulk that he's had, basically, he's, like, had PTSD from. Yeah, this is, like, the carrot that this Jack McGee slings around all yeah. the time. He's constantly telling people, you could get ten grand. If your information leads to the Hulk, and they never pays anybody. No, and ten grand in seventies money is like fifty grand. It's a ton. Yeah, it's a lot of money. So he's he her boyfriend Louis needs to win this dance contest, um, but she kind of wants to maybe stay sober, right? And he's now like, well, maybe you could have a drink to loosen up. So we go to the Alateen or AA meeting. It's an AA meeting for teenagers. Yeah. Yep, and he. It, and and it's led by a 46-year-old, 26-year-old group leader. Okay, listen. In real life, in real life this person is about I think 47. Right? The best line of this whole thing is they they say, "Alice, why do you drink?" And Alice goes, "I'm not an alcoholic. I just like it." And they go, they all laugh at her and they're like, "That's bull." That's bull. That's nonsense. Yeah. You're a liar. Yeah. And she Sling goes, your hash somewhere else. Yeah, that's what they said. Which made Steve laugh. And then, you guys, I totally lost it. We had to pause this, this show for like five minutes. Because the group leader says, Alice, let's just pause for a second and talk about me. How old do you think I am? And Alice goes, I don't know. 35, 37? That would have been a very, that would have been a really nice conservative guess for what this lady looked like. (laughs) This lady goes, full on looks her in the face and goes, I'm 26 years old. Yeah. Like, alcohol has done this to me. And, Megan, it's not just you and I who start laughing. They flash it to David, to Bill Bixby, and he almost breaks. He goes like this. Like, his eyes wide. Like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Because... She looks older than he is. She looks older than him. And she goes, I started drinking when I was 11 years old. And this is what alcoholic cigarettes have done to me. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't. Now, I will say this. 
people who smoke heavily and drink heavily, they can prematurely age. They sometimes can get leathery skin. They can sometimes get like the the redness around Mm -hmm. like the nose and cheeks. Um, What I like to call the Ted Kennedy look. But um, (laughs) sorry, Ted Kennedy. Wow. (laughs) But but. They don't. The twenty-six-year-old is not going to look like a fifty-year-old. No, not at all. It was really. I mean, if oh they, if she, like I said, she, she's like, "How old do you think I am?" And Alice is like, "30, 35," and I'm like, "45, 50." Yeah. And Bill Bixby must have been thinking the same thing with due yeah. to his reaction when she said twenty-six. Twenty-six. Actually, I think she said, "I'll be twenty-six next week." <laughs> yes, that's. I'm what like, she what? Did. She didn't say I'm 26. She said, next week I'll be turning 20. I'm like, in dog years? I don't oh know how God. this is done. It's hilarious. So the, that's the thing, right? That what that not, not unlike some of the problem novels from like the 70s, 80s, and some of the early YA lit, like they're always over the top. They're like really trying to get you to not drink. They don't want you to think that this whole jazz disco life is cool. Yeah. It just leads you to jump off a billboard because you think you see your dead dad telling you to oh, like it makes a 26-year-old look 50. So she finally kind of buys in a little bit. And she's yeah. like, okay. And she goes home and her boyfriend again like shows up and tries he wants that night is supposed to be the dance competition. Yeah. And they're kind of a shoe-in to win. I don't like this. Um, guy. But he's like, I need you to come. And she's like legitimately this is a good thing right she's like i don't want to she's like i don't want to go to the club because i'm trying to stay sober and it's gonna be too difficult for me to not drink and they talked about that at the meeting too before the 26 year old nonsense that one guy was saying he got rid of his old friends he's trying to find new friends because he realized they weren't really his friends they were just his drinking buddies he doesn't want to live like that anymore right all Mm -hmm. that kind of thing so then david comes around and he talks to her yeah. But he does something at the end of their chat that I found rather odd. Okay. He leaves the bottle of alcohol there. Yeah, her boyfriend brought like a cele- celebratory bottle of liquor. Yeah. And she Cuz he's a good guy. Right. And then he really <laughs> didn't care about her struggling alcoholism. He just wanted her to show up and dance with him. Yeah, cuz he needs the money. David shows up right after that in this like bottle of liquor with a ribbon on it is still sitting on the table in between them. Yeah. And he's like, all right, peace out. He's like, yeah. he's like, you got to do what's best for Listen, you. Listen, you have to decide. I, the only thing I will say about that, yeah, that was probably a bad call on David's, right? Yeah. But his point of the conversation was, you're right, I can't, I can't do this for you. You have to be ready and you have to make the decision. So it was almost like a test, like... If she's really ready, then she's going to choose not to to drink that. But if she's not, like, he can't police her every minute of the week. Yeah, but also you don't leave a bottle of alcohol in front of somebody who's been to one AA meeting. Well, you know, she's turned a corner. She's riding the pink cloud, as they say, and she'll be right back on that bottle. So anyway, so they we cut back to the club. Yeah, and we do, and we get, before David shows back up to the club and Alice, we get a little shot with the club owner who wants to get rid of David because he's figured out that David is the one who ratted him out. He's the snitch. Yeah, he's the snitch. So they're like, you talk to the grand jury, and they put him in cuffs, and he doesn't change right when he's in cuffs. No. Right? Um, But then they kind of rough him up a bit. 
They rough him up a bit and they leave him inside a cage. Yeah. And they say, We're go- we'll just go and rough up Alice a little bit. And that's... While she's upstairs dancing her, because Alice shows up. Yeah. And it's funny because before they grab David, Alice shows up and the waitress comes over to David and said, that girl over there brought you a gift. And she holds out the tray and it has the bottle that Alice didn't open. Yeah. And she gave it, she made the right choice. Well, yeah, but then she went to the club with her Because she's like, heck boyfriend. with it. I can do this. So they yeah. are dancing to win the competition. Yep. And David gets left locked in a cage. That freaks him out. So he starts throwing himself against the cage. Mm-hmm. And that's when he gets hurt and turns into the Incredible Hulk. And then my notes just say, Hulk smash. Because that's basically what happens. He just starts smashing yeah, random he stuff. He comes upstairs and just smashes up the whole place, but he saves the day. Yeah. And then we have a little tag at the end where Alice is going to testify before the grand jury about what the club owners have been doing, serving all these underage kids. Yeah. Because that's something that you have a grand jury for. Except you don't. Right, right. <laughs> and well, then, you know. But she also implies that she stayed with the jerk, Louie. Well, he, she loved him. So what? He gave her a bottle of alcohol and he treated her horribly. I know, Megan. But Alice, you're going to be right back on the sauce She if you obviously don't get has some issues with the loss of her dad. Um, <laughs> well, I would also say, though, is the thing that caught my eye about the Hulk mm-hmm. at the end of this is... Um, the Hulk comes up and just beats up bad guys, right? He uh-huh. takes care of the bad guys. But I don't know if it was a violence on TV issue or just the way that everything is filmed. The Hulk actually doesn't really beat people up very well. He doesn't hit or smash or kick people. He just grabs guys by the scruff of their neck and the back of their waist and throws them across the room. Well, listen, Lou Ferrigno one time, for real, flipped over a car for part of the show. Oh, I'm not doubting like, his strength. Were gonna, they were going to like kind of do stuff and I'm he just, was like, nah, I can do da- it. I'm just, just doubting the fight choreography. Well, I'm he, saying... He just basically throws people around. But I can... Having seen Lou Ferrigno and other stuff, I think he is like a gentle giant kind of guy. Like he seems like he would do that. You okay. Know? Just like, hey, I don't want to hurt you too bad. Right. But I, I am going to throw you into this soft uh, yeah. mattress pile I am going to throw you through a wall, yeah, just through so a you're fake aware. Wall. All right, so that was our first episode. So then we led into the second episode, which was my choice. All right. From season four, Wax Museum. Yes. My favorite part of this episode comes right at the beginning, where David has gotten a job at a wax museum, and... The guy running it comes up to him and is kind of like, oh, we kind of, I have a problem. I need to talk to you. And David goes, oh, is it about the job? I know I'm not that experienced in wax. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) This is, I don't know why that tickled me so much. Why would anybody be experienced in wax? How many wax museums are there that somebody would be coming from one wax museum with a lot of experience in wax to come and work at the second smaller wax museum that's not up and running yet? It's hilarious to me. So we find out anyway that this woman got out of a mental hospital recently. Yeah, the lead wax artist, the lead sculptor. Yeah. She, her dad died recently and she is not mentally healthy. And we see one of the first scenes with her in it is her thinking that the sculptures that she's made are come come to life. Yeah. And they do look very lifelike. They're like Madame Tussauds. 
Yes, yeah, and she's very she's very good at sculptor. I also have to say that I don't I could not tell whether they used real people who just like stood still or if they were actually wax figures. So that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Well, well the, for a few the of them, I think did they great. did use people because yeah. they came to life, obviously. But some of them, I couldn't tell if they just really put a lot of makeup on. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, so at any rate. <laughs> so we find out that Lee's Lee, which is this woman's name, uh-huh. her dad started the museum and he was also a sculptor and he died in a fire recently that, that yes. almost closed the museum. And she basically felt she couldn't save him. So she saw what happened and couldn't get to him in time, couldn't save yes. him. Um, we also find out that the bank is trying to take the title of the museum and they've given her uncle, who's now running it, a number of chances. To get the money to pay off like the, yeah. mo- the money that the Or he could basically sell it to them and just get money from them, right? Because he's, he's given them like a portion, basically. Yes. What it comes down to. This is my second favorite part, that they are having this conversation with the bank people. And he says, the uncle says, well, Lee is very creative and she has a whole plan for the reopening of the museum. Show them your drawings. Then she pulls out her portfolio and page after page, it's just black smudges. It looks like Jackson Pollock. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I don't, oh. Well, I don't know. And he goes, oh, he tries to cover for her kind of. And he's like, oh, it looks like maybe you brought the wrong portfolio. Yeah, he's like, or he's like, it must be my fault. I must have grabbed the wrong one and we were in a rush. But it, it becomes quite obvious soon, at least to me. I wrote down like right after the bank. I wrote down the uncle's gaslighting Lee to think she's crazy. That's what I put too. I was like, like yeah, this is. It became pretty obvious that the uncle was trying to make her think she's crazier than yeah. she is. And a lot of the TV shows of this time period would do this where it's kind of like how Law & Order will t- rip things from the headlines. A lot of TV shows will take other shows or movies and kind of do like their adaptation. So mm-hmm. the first one we watched was kind of like their adaptation of Saturday Night Fever. Right. right? Or their their inspiration was that. And here very clearly, you know, we use the term gaslighting. It comes from this movie, which was first a play where um, this woman is kind of being mentally tortured by her husband because she has an inheritance and he's trying to make her think she's crazy. Yeah. Right. Um, and also Angela Lansbury plays the femme fatale in that. She's like the <laughs> mistress who's also gaslighting this girl. And she's like the maid. So uh, before murder, she wrote. But at any rate, yeah, gaslighting is definitely what's going on here. So it's a little bit gaslight and it's a little bit um, that Vincent Price movie with the wax. House of House Wax. House of Wax, yeah. yeah. Um, so Lee, <laughs> Lee's showing... David, her various different sculptures. Yeah. And she is really amazing, right? Uh-huh. And then um, she, the uncle tells her to leave, and then he goes, I haven't seen this tableau yet. Uncover it. And it's Lee in wax, looking like she's being tortured. She's like on a rack almost. Yeah, and her dad is, the face of her dad is used for another figure doing the torturing. And for another one, also doing that. Who's, it's like two people torturing Yeah, one her, is like like a monk. Dad. One is like a yeah. monk pointing at her, and the other one is doing the actual torturing. And it's like, oh, da, 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 da. 
Um, also, David, I mean, this is now the fourth season of The Incredible Hulk. Yeah. So David's been on the lam for four years. Yeah. He's got an eye for when something seems fishy, Megan. Yeah. And he thinks something's up. So he pockets one of Lee's pills. Mm-hmm. Because she's, she says that she takes these pills to stop like hallucinations yeah and he's like he, again remember now this this is actually one of the benefits to the change in the storyline because not being a physicist now being a medical doctor mm. david realizes there's no pharmacy stamps or or numbers or marks on these pills mm-hmm. and so it, it kind of is a red flag to him so he pockets one and brings it to a free drug like identification place well it's okay. It's set up to look like the DMV. I don't know if they had places like this in the seventies. I don't either. Because I was it's barely up, alive. It's set up to look like the DMV, and there's a sign behind the guy that says, "No questions, no judgments." And I think that they would. I think you could turn drugs into them. So yeah. I think if you were like, "Hey, I found this heroin," or "I found this right. cocaine." But it seems like you could also have it tested for purity. Like, hey, is this, has this been cut with baby formula or is right. this cocaine pure? Or I don't if know. somebody just, gave, if somebody gave you pills and you didn't know what they were, or you, you could wanted, find you out. You could find out, right? Yeah, for safety. It's very interesting. Um, and this guy is like, he goes, <laughs> he says, my favorite line of the episode besides the first line about not being experienced in wax, yeah. where he says, Hey, man, you hear the rap I just gave that chick? And David's like, yeah. And he goes, good. I have to repeat that like 300 times a day. And he just takes the pill and Yeah, it was basically just about how here you have a card with a number on it. (laughs) And you can call and give us that number and we'll tell you about the pill next, like tomorrow. But it's supposed to be, again, like learning, like, hey, if you have this problem, you could take it to a place like this. And they're cool. They won't ask you questions. You hear the rap they gave it. It's interesting because the first episode we watched, I was like, Remember, we talked about how it had kind of that almost after-school special and yeah. education piece. And I was like, I wonder if that's this this episode. But this one felt the same way about the drugs she was taking and mental illness a little bit. What I think what I think it is, I don't know if all the episodes are like this. And we did have to pay for them. We don't have a lot of Patreon subscribers yet. Yeah. so If you'd like us-, us to do more of The Incredible Hulk, jump on the Patreon. <laughs> yeah. um, but one of the things that... Um, I noticed is that they were all he's helping people, but it does have to do with mental health. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's because he's in the state that he's in, that then he kind of has more compassion for other people when they're struggling with their mental health. But it reminded me a little bit, oddly, of um, Star Trek Voyager that a lot of um, that's the one where they get lost, right? Yeah, yeah. Star Trek Voyager, where they get lost, a lot of their episodes have to do with like um, the things that people go through when they're confined in a small space. Like, there's a right. lot of so I I'm, I'm guessing that they probably kind of had that as a theme. Maybe not in every episode, but in yeah. a lot of them. Well, even the first one in the in the disco one, even Alice when she's like arguing with him about alcoholism she says like ironically like you don't know what it's like to have something in you you can't control right right and of course david does because it's the hulk right he literally has something inside him yeah and and so they they did that like um 
sorry. No, that's not. I can I can cut it. All I was gonna say, I was just, I'll cut this whole thing. But what I was gonna say is like on Voyager, they'd have a lot of stuff about like dreaming mm-hmm. and like feeling unreal when you're in like. A, a place you can't control yeah. and like that w- like much different from regular anyway so so david hulk smash D- yeah david comes back <laughs> yeah and lee is trying to um she's working with wax and so she's got one of the big vats of wax that's being heated by a burner mm-hmm. and it has a spigot on it that she opens up and basically you can get liquid wax out to pour into a mold yes and she opens it up, and she's filling this mold, and it won't shut. Yeah. And so liquid wax starts pouring. Li- and I mean, he's hot sleeping. liquid wax. Yeah. In a cot. Down. Yeah, because it was part in of like a cupboard, yeah, right? Because the beginning they mentioned that the job doesn't pay much, but it's room and board. Like he could stay. Yeah, there. he could stay in the janitor's closet. Yeah. So she starts screaming, and he realizes that he runs, and then he slips on the wax. Yeah, he slips on the wax, of course, and he's trying to close it too, and it won't. Then he slips again, and the hot wax spills yes. on him and burns him. This is my favorite. Which turns him into. The Hulk. This is my favorite hulking out of all time. This includes the Marvel movies. This includes the Ed Norton movie. This includes everything. Because what he does is he hulks out, okay? But before he smashes stuff, he looks at the wax figures confused and then smacks one at the back of the head and then the head falls off. And then he goes, ah! And then he gets angry and starts smashing things. It's hilarious. And I don't know if they meant it to be funny. Yeah. But it is really funny. So he smashes the wax. He just picks up the whole thing of wax and throws it. Yeah. Then he smashes through a wall like the Kool-Aid man. Then he runs down the street and robs an ATM. Well, first he scares the newspaper seller. Yes. Because we learned about the evening edition um, last week. Then he, yeah, there's a very wealthy woman at an ATM. And this is very obviously one of the first ATMs. The buttons are enormous. The buttons look like a fake TV computer from like the 1960s. And she goes to put in her code and then sees him and goes, oh, and runs away. And then he looks at the buttons and he starts pushing them. And the ATM keeps talking and music is playing. And then he just smashes the heck out of the ATM and money flies out. What? And he does, and he runs away because the Hulk wants, doesn't, wants nothing to do with money. He has no idea. Yeah. So the next day we find out that the threads were stripped. Yeah, but the old uncle uses this as an excuse oh, to, yeah. to close the museum. And basically, you know, he's like, this, we can't recover from this. No. Um, and and basically blames it on Lee. And in the meantime, the cool cat down at the clinic calls him back and says, yeah, man, this pill is just sugar and LSD. And I don't know who's been giving it to you, but I'd be real careful before I take another one. Yeah. Unless you want a real bad trip. And then he mentions, and I think that this is interesting, he mentions some of the people that were like tested on with LSD who didn't by the government, fu- by yeah. the government who didn't fully know what was going on and he's kind of like implying that you could have a bad trip and not be able to come back from it. Right. And this girl's been dosing like I mean, now we'd call it microdosing. <laughs> 
But right. this girl's been dosed with LSD like two, three times a day. Yes. And she takes these pills when she Which gets are nervous. causing the hallucinations, not stopping Exactly. Them. She pops them whenever she gets nervous, right? And her uncle always says, have you taken your pill? Um, it's very, it's very interesting. So... In the meantime, McGee shows up looking for David. Yeah. Because he heard from the newspaper guy that a green giant ran past. Yeah, and also, Lee's been working on two different statues. One of the Hulk, right? Mm -hmm. And then one of David that that obviously looks exactly like him. Right. And he's like, oh, that's startling. And then he goes, and she's like, oh, you don't like it. And he's like, no, no. Let let me use this opportunity to play out one of my greatest fantasies. And then they cut and then they showed like later that day and it's dressed up like a pirate. Yeah, so it's got a beard, and, a beard a patch. and an eye patch because he obviously doesn't want to be recognized. I just thought that that was a funny touch, too. This yeah. one was a lot lighter than the first episode. It was. McGee, as I said, shows up and he's questioning somebody on uh, at the newspaper stand, not the guy that tipped him off. Right. And what do you think the first thing McGee says is? What is that, Steve? You can get $10,000 yes. for information after the Hulk. Nobody ever gets paid this money. This guy's never going to pay anybody anything. Um, so, basically, the confrontation happens. Yes. And the uncle admits to murdering the dad. Yeah. Lee has basically like a flashback. Yep. And she's like, you did it. I remember now. You did this and you did this. And um, there's a fire. And then Hulk smash through fire. Hulk save Lee. Hulk smash uncle. And well, then... <laughs> well, Hulk, you missed out one part. McGee shows up to question oh, them. Right. So the uncle locks David, McGee, and Lee all in the burning room. Yeah. And David turns into the Hulk and saves both Lee and McGee, the guy that's been tracking him for four years. Well, also because we're in season four. Right, right. So, so he saves both of them. Yeah. Um, and then runs off, basically. Um, Hulk saved the day. Hulk saved the day, but my favorite part is that in the fight with the uncle, um, the uncle tries to hit him with a cudgel, which, if you don't know, that's the thing. Okay. If you don't know, that's the thing with the the stick with the chain and then the ball. Yeah. With spikes on it. Yep. And the Hulk takes the cudgel and smushes it. Yeah. Like it's a Nerf ball. Yeah. But you're also like, I don't know if that was a wax cudgel or a real cudgel. Um, and then we cut, again, we have the happy ending piece, right? Yes. Hulk has saved the day. They're opening the museum, um, and it'll be a real success. I'm sure a lot of people go there, even though there was a murder and three attempted murders. <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically it. So, Steve, did you did they talk about reception? Yeah, How do people bit, you feel know, about this? The Incredible Hulk was actually a major rating success. Really? Yeah, in its day. It even became a hit in Europe. Huh. Um, despite the fact that other superheroes really were less popular at that time period, right? Um, you know, they had a planned, like, finale that they never did. 
that they never did. And I guess it's good because they ended up doing the movies. But originally, I guess, they were going to have, like, kind of a happy ending for him where he no longer would have the Hulk. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You know, well, in 1977 to 78, during the first season, um, it it was rating, it was rated at number 26. Okay. Which was tied with Hawaii Five O. Oh, okay. In the second season, it was it dropped to forty four, but was still tied with Hawaii Five O and Dear Detective. Oh, what the heck is that? Um, like, wait, I heard it. In that my, was another show, Dear Detective. But in my head, I didn't hear D E A R. I heard you, D-E-A-R. you thought it was a deer with antlers who was a detective. Well, what I saw in my head when you said that was basically BoJack Horseman with with antlers and like a a deer stalker <laughs> hat, and I just like got this deer detective or like, and then I thought, wait, is it a detective who also hunts? And then I realized that it was D E A R. Yes, and I had all of those thoughts in the three <laughs> seconds in which you repeated that. So it never dropped below forty nine. Oh, and 26 was its, was its highest. But that's actually pretty good given all the shows that were on at the time. Right? So it was considered a, a pretty good hit. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, looking back now, the two-hour pilot scored 57%. Okay. Um, the first season has a rating of 75%, though. So the pilot wasn't it, like received as great, but the, the actual season itself... Of the first season, at least, has a seventy-five percent rating. So most people did care, did like it. Um, somebody in the somebody that was writing for the Tallahassee Democrat, okay, um, which was a, a newspaper, a very popular yeah, paper at the time, noted that Lou Ferrigno did the strong, silent type like nobody's business. Okay, um, and was a natural for the role of the Hulk. All right, um. And so it was. It was received fairly well, I guess, is is it, in its time period. Um, so, with that being said, how did we receive it? What were your thoughts on the Incredible Hulk? It would have been good as a half-hour show. Okay, you felt it was too slow. As a, as a, as a, yeah. Because also, you have to know too. So nowadays, when we have shows that are an hour, not only do they move faster, but we typically, if you're on network TV. Not mm-hmm. Netflix and all that, because that, that's structured differently. But network TV shows also have more ads. And so you're talking really about maybe 42 to 45 minutes. This was like 48 minutes long. And it was, for Megan, about 18 minutes longer than it needed to be. And it wasn't storyline stuff. It was all long cuts. Yeah. Now, I did enjoy the second one more than the first one. The first one just dragged to no end. I mean, it really bothered me. How did you kind of... What were your feelings? Before I give my number, what were your kind of feelings about it? There were things that I agree with. I, I was a fan of the Hulk growing up, but I will say, looking back now, and the purpose of our podcast, right, is did it hold up? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it holds up great, right? No. It is slow-paced, and, you know, the the... I, I put special effects in quotes because yeah. it's really just makeup, right? Um, and it's some lighting. The, the, the special effects are not great looking back on it. Um, and so it's kind of like it's something you'd almost kind of joke about now. Although, this is what I thought. Because mm-hmm. I didn't do my positives, but go ahead and then I I'll will roll too. into the positives. Yeah. What I thought was this, okay? you As you know, because we've talked about this outside the podcast, 
myself and many other Marvel fans were not real. We were kind of disappointed by She-Hulk that was just on Marvel yeah. or on Disney Plus, right? Uh-huh. I would much ra- as I was watching this, I said, you know what? I would much rather have seen a Disney Plus se- series with Mark Ruffalo, big time, wandering around on the lamb like this because this was comic accurate. The Hulk, for mm-hmm. most of his history, was on the run, right? Mark Ruffalo stumbling into different situations with today's CGI and better storytelling, and I would I would be interested in and that also, show. And also because, given now the history of the Marvel Universe stuff, mm-hmm. that him trying to be low-key after really people knowing who yes. the Hulk is, and then somebody following him or people following him through social media, yeah. um, that kind of thing. I, here are some of my positives. I do think that Bill Bixby was great in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that for for what he did, Lou Ferrigno did a good job. Right. Um, I do think that it is good that they were trying to, in the way that they understood mental health 40 years ago, it is good that they were trying to talk about mental health and mm-hmm. kind of destigmatize it. Because really, doing things like going to AA getting therapy, taking medicine for mental health issues. Yes. These are all things that still are kind of stigmatized sometimes, yep. right? So I, I did like those aspects of it. But yeah, the storytelling wasn't even bad. It really was a lot of just about editing. And and it doesn't... And because of those differences in how we see mental health, because of that, it really does not hold up. Um, not like, you know, we, we talked... The last TV show we watched was Columbo, and that show was amazing. And I really would watch all of it. Right. Because <laughs> it holds up. It completely... Now, there are little things, the newspaper, the telephone, the little nostalgic pieces, you know, that, of things we don't have as much now. But, uh, yeah, this, I can't I can't watch another episode. Of that. I barely got through the two that we had to watch. So I'm going to give it a five. Yeah. And I'm the gonna... reason I'm doing that is because I feel that there was... About as many good as bad things about it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was going to go... I'm around the same. I was like four or five on it. So I think I I think I would give it a four. Just the slowness just bothered me. So. Okay. So... Yeah! Four, four and, and a half, half Hulk fists, fists out, out of ten. ten. Yikes. Mm, that's got, a little lower than I thought. the same rating as the candy. Yeah, but the candy was much better. Listen, I hope that you guys aren't disappointed with that because you did vote for it. Well, but I know, think that the lore of the Hulk and the concept of the Hulk and the character are a lot different than when you... This is what happens a lot of times, right? We remember things nostalgically in our brains. Then we go to actually watch the show or the movie and we're like, oh. We're like, oh, this did kind of ruin my childhood a little, little bit. A little bit. A little bit this week. So, um, coming up... We do have what is Steve willing to watch in a moment, but I just kind of want to preview for you guys what we're doing. So, um, we have a bonus that for for uh, St. Patrick's Day. So we have that coming up, and then we kind of had a lot of mystery February kind of thing, and we thought, what if we kind of themed it again? for March. Mm -hmm. We're not going to do that every month, but we just thought it'd be kind of fun. There's been some fantasy stuff that we wanted to look at. So our first thing is the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. Yes. Then we're going to watch for a TV show, Xena Warrior Princess. Yes. And then your choice for the movie was Lady Hawk. 
Oh, Lady Hawk. Yes, one of my favorites, and one I think one of the more underestimated movies. If I if it's as good as I remember it being when I was a child. And then for our viewers' choice, we are going to have, and I'm going to post it actually tomorrow for when I'm when we're recording this. <laughs> so yes. it'll have been up for a while, but we're going to have a poll for you guys, and we're going to have voting again. Um, and this is for a. Don Bluth movie animated because we've done Disney stuff, but we haven't done non-Disney animated. Right. So that's what we're going to look at. So I think we have our uh, choice of like American Tale, Land Before Time, those. Like yeah. if you can only keep one, which one would you keep? Yeah, there's going to be four or five that you get to choose from, yeah. but you got to choose one. And then March is, uh, so that'll be actually for April, but March is five weeks. So, since I have not really watched the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon or Xena Warrior Princess or... And I've never seen Lady Hawk. Mm-hmm. The fifth week is Megan's Choice. Okay. But I, I will... And I'm not going to do it now, but we will have a very special What is Steve Willing to Watch when we get to that point. Okay, so I have that to dread and look forward yeah, to. Yeah, it's all stuff that I was obsessed with as a kid or oh, a teenager. Boy. And also, whatever category you don't pick we're gonna do in june which also has five weeks okay so that's what's coming up uh torture for steve and possibly torture for megan though i doubt as much as this week because this was a real stinker wow all right so what is steve willing to watch so there are 28 episodes of the D cartoon yes all on YouTube, but I don't think anywhere else so so much as I can find them. Okay. I think that they are all available on YouTube. Like, if I clicked into the separate episodes, I think they would play. So, because it's Dungeons & Dragons, my thought was, I would like to watch the pilot episode to see the establishment of the characters. Yep. Would you like to take a roll of the dice? I have a 20 and two fours. I think we have to roll the dice, right? It's Because it's Dungeons & Dragons. Roll the dice. All right. Your number is 15. 15. Okay, so the pilot episode, hang on a second. The pilot episode is called The Night of No Tomorrow. Okay. And your episode is episode 15. I think there was just one season of this, right? Looks like it. Uh, 15 is called The Treasure of Tardos. And it looks like it opens at a carnival. Okay. Or an amusement park. So that right. should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And hey. the dice decided. The dice made the choice, just like in regular Dungeons & Dragons. So really, this segment should have been called, What Do the Dice Want to Watch? I guess. What are the dice willing to watch? There you go. I need different music for it. <laughs> um, all right. So yeah, that's what's coming up. And we just want to say thank you again for everybody participating. We're super excited to have those interactions with you. If you haven't yet, please leave a like, leave a review. And um, we look forward to hearing from you guys. Check out our Patreon. Check out that Patreon page and our links to listen. And the Patreon links are on our website, StopRuiningMyChildhood.com. Thanks, everybody.